And as we um, do just that and collect our offerings and tithes this morning, just to remind you of where we are in our study uh, as our children go and, and begin to have their own time of worship and uh, study of the Word of God, we have the great privilege to do that as well. So in the continued spirit of worship, we're going to be looking at God's Word. We are almost done with the book of Galatians. We have um, two more messages on Galatians as we end our study on freedom, this idea of freedom in Christ. What does it look like to be Christians who have liberty. What does it mean? What does it mean for us? And so as Paul is concluding his letter, he's become very practical. Very practical in, uh, in how he is communicating this truth to us and how we are very simply to live out our faith before each other and before the world. And so I want to read the passage just right at the beginning of today's message. I'm going to read the passage just a few verses. We're in Galatians 6, and it is uh, simply verses 6 through 10. It's Galatians 6, 6 through 10. And then next week we'll be uh, concluding our study in Galatians. So here's what Paul says in Galatians 6, 6 through 10. Remember, he had been talking about the fruit of the Spirit as opposed to walking uh, according to the flesh and the works of the flesh. And so he is now telling us here in these short verses, 6 through 10, he is reminding us that we are to continue to do good. Here's what he says. Verse 6, he says, Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived, for God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are of the household of faith. So Paul is calling us to continue to do good. There is a law at work here, a law of God, which does not change, whether it's spiritual or material or physical in nature. The law is that what you reap, you will sow. Now, these are two words we don't really use that often. We don't live in uh, necessarily an agrarian society, especially not around here. So we don't throw those words around a lot, do we? Reaping and sowing. But I think we all understand the principle. If you plant an apple tree, what should you expect to glean from that tree? Apples. If you plant a peach tree, you should expect to get peaches. It's very simple. It it's, makes sense, right? So why is it that we as Christians believe that we can commit a sin or be disobedient to God and not sow the consequences? But we all do it, right? We all do it. We're blinded. We know that our, our sins are forgiven and that in Christ we have this freedom we've been talking about, but yet we still inhabit these earthen vessels. And we still... And give in to temptation 
of our enemy. For the long-term, eternal effect of sin has been defeated through Christ on the cross and His glorious resurrection. But the full power of sin and effect in our life has not yet been taken away. Not until we meet Jesus face to face and He returns for us. And we've been given new bodies. Glory for Him. On Thursday night, there was a tragedy in Dallas. Five brave police officers were murdered. Nine others were also shot by the act, it seems, of one lone gunman who was bent on perpetrating just such a a crime. Now, you know, we gather here at Trinity to worship. We gather here primarily to bring our offering of praise to God. We come to fellowship. We come to pray. We come to open God's Word and to learn from Him. But what we are called to do as a church in our new identity as Christians, being set right before God, we are called to worship. But every day there are tragedies around this country and in this world. Is that right? Sometimes, if you're like me, you have to turn the news off. You can't continue to watch it. It gets too depressing, too overwhelming. We know the Lord Jesus told us it would be this way. But the question perhaps that is on many of our minds and is being discussed in many churches around our country and around the world this morning is, how do we respond to this? What do we do as Christians? How do we continue on? How do we represent Christ well in the face of such a tragedy? Perhaps you're here this morning and you're feeling angry. Maybe you're scared because of what's been going on in the country, the sense of increasing lawlessness. Perhaps you're confused. Maybe you're very defensive about it. I'm sure you've been talking about it amongst yourselves and your family, maybe at work on Friday with your friends. Maybe you even feel apathetic and you feel guilty about it. You don't know why. Maybe it's because we're so callous to all these things that are happening around us. Well, we know specifically that these were police officers who were targeted. We all know police officers, right? We all either have one in our family or a close friend. I'm sure we could all tell stories about people that we know, people close to us that serve and protect. The gunman, evidently, was former military. A man who made a commitment to protect his country, to protect us. And yet something happened where he chose this path, the path of hatred. But this morning, we're going to talk about the path of love. Because in the light of such a tragedy, we need to talk about how are we to respond. You know, we can do so in the context of this passage because simply what Paul is calling us to do is to continue to do good. And he tells us no matter where you are or what you're doing, whether you're a believer or non-believer in Jesus Christ, what you reap 
you will sow. There is that law and effect. There is cause and effect. There are consequences to all of our actions. Now, oftentimes as Christians, we fall into sin and disobedience. And the reason that it can be so easy for us to continue to do that is because there are no immediate consequences. You ever think about it that way? When I was younger, um, I was uh, closing up a, a shop that me and my mom were at for, um, for something, and there was a stove there. We had made some food, and she asked me to go over and make sure that the stove was off. And it was one of these electric stoves with the, you know, with the metal ring, and, the, and they get hot. And so the way that I chose to go and to check it was I took my hand, and put it, thank you, I appreciate it. I can still feel it. And I, I put my hand on it. And so I had a burn look just like a ring right around my hand. Now that's an immediate consequence. We all know that. We learned that at a young age. Apparently I didn't. But we do, right? Fire is hot. And if you touch fire, there's an immediate consequence. On Thursday night, there was an immediate consequence to the sins that took place. There was one gunman, five brave officers who were gunned down and lost their lives, at least nine others that were shot as well. These officers, if you've read the news, you know this, they were protecting a group of protesters who were protesting what they saw as murder and killing as well. They were protesting, predominantly an African-American group of people, protesting the recent, more recent events from the past week of police officers in their line of duty killing African-Americans. This has been in the news. It's been going on. I'm not commenting on how you should feel about that necessarily. I don't necessarily read all the news and I'm up to date on all the nuances and details of these cases. That's for you to bring to God. But what I am called to do as the shepherd here at Trinity is to bring to you the Word of God and tell you what does God say about such a tragedy. You can't address every incident that occurs every day. It's impossible. I would come here and speak to you every Sunday morning about some kind of tragic event that happened in our community or in our country. But here's a reminder as well. You know, as a church, we are kingdom citizens first. Am I right? It says in Philippians 3, our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He is returning for us. We look forward to that. There is tragedy around the world each and every day. So as kingdom citizens, we are to look beyond our borders, beyond these four walls, beyond our community, beyond our nation, and to the world. For what does Scripture teach us? That God so loved the world. He loved all people groups. In uh, the Great Commission in Matthew 28, What does Jesus tell His church to do? Go and make disciples of whom? All nations. That word in the Greek, nations, is ethne. From it we get the word ethnic. 
it's more than just political nations. It's more than just go take the gospel to England or France or America. It's take the gospel to every ethnicity, every people group. Missionary organizations, they define it as a separate people group that are separated by a common bond of language and culture and other things. So it is estimated that there are about uh, 16,300 distinct people groups in this world. And about 6,550, 6,550, about 40% are still unreached. These are unreached people groups. God, when it says God so loved the world, it said He came for every single person. And we are to go and take the gospel to each and every group, to each and every person. Why do I say that? Because when there is senseless tragedy like this, we need to remember to keep the proper perspective on who we are and who we are called to be. We are called to be a light to this world, ambassadors for Jesus Christ. And so in the wake of such a tragedy as Thursday night, and before that, all the things that we've been following in the news, these senseless murders and killings, let us be reminded that these tragedies go way beyond the borders of our communities in this country. There are 7.4 billion people in this world. Can you even wrap your mind around that number? 7.4 billion people. Every year, there are 1.7 million deaths by violence. 520,000 murders around the world every year. 815,000 suicides. 310,000 war-related deaths. All of those death by violence. And you know what? That 1.7 million deaths by violence per year around the world, that doesn't even include the over 40 million worldwide abortions every year. 125,000 per day. 5,208 abortions per hour. So in the time that we are gathered here to bring our attention to God, over 5,000 unborn babies are killed. Over 35% of women around the world have said that they have been a victim of some kind of violence or abuse in their life. 35%. The stats go on and on and on. One more for you. In this country, we spend we spend over $7,000 each year per person on trying to combat violence. That includes local, state, and federal government expenditures, private corporations, household individuals. That's medical expenses to recover from violence. It's incarceration, defense, military, insurance, private alarm systems, a private security industry, homeland security, and the CIA. $7,000 per person in this country every year spent on what they call violence containment issues, trying to combat violence. That's $6 billion a day, $246 million 
every hour. So the question for us is, how do we respond to such a tragedy as Christians, as God's church, as God's representatives here on earth? How do we respond to such hatred? With love. It has to be with love. You know, there will be a great multitude in heaven, it says in Revelations, of people from every tribe, tongue, and nation. It, John says in Revelation, I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, all tribes, all peoples, all languages, standing before the throne and the Lamb. They were clothed in white robes and palm branches in their hands, crying out loud with one voice, saying, salvation belongs to our God. We are called to be salt and light in this world. To bring the gospel, the good news of Jesus, what is at the heart of this gospel? It's love. How do we combat hatred in this world? When it seems so overwhelming, we need to take a step back and remember who we are called to be. We are called to be ambassadors of love and not of hate. For us, the ways of this world must always give way to the truth of the Word. Proverbs 3 tells us, Do not envy a violent man or choose any of his ways. It says in 1 John 3, Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know love that He laid down His life for us. And we ought to lay our lives down for our brothers. So as Christians, as followers of Jesus Christ, He is our example. So it says, instead of hating, for Jesus says, in your heart you are a murderer. Whether you commit the action or not, you are. And He says, we ought to take that example and lay down our lives for our brothers. If anyone has the world's goods and sees his brothers in need, yet he chooses, he closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? He says, little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and truth. We are not only to love in word and talk, but to be people of action. He says, by this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our heart before Him. For whenever our heart condemns us, which means whenever we fall into hatred, God is greater than our heart. It means He will forgive us because He knows everything. Hatred is a poison that destroys us from the inside out. It produces bitterness that eats away at our hearts and minds. In Hebrews 12, it says not to let a root of bitterness spring up in our hearts. For we know that what is swelling up in our hearts will eventually come out in actions. Matthew 5 reminds us of the sanctity of all human life and the sin of murder. He says, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder. And whoever murders will be liable to judgment. Jesus says, but I say to you that everyone who is angry with a brother will be liable to judgment. 
Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. Jesus' words. As we've been going through Galatians, we talked about it last week. The church is called to bear one another's burdens. First, inside these four walls. First, as a church. And then, we are living as examples to the world around us. So that they see that we are people of love and not of hatred. So how do we respond? The church needs to spread the good news of hope and of peace and of freedom. And please remember, don't miss this, when I say the church, that means you. That's all of us together. We are to spread the good news of hope, peace, and freedom only offered by Christ. We are God's vessels in seeing His kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. So here's what we do. We love and we pray. We serve and we pray. We comfort and we pray. You say, what can I do in the face of such a horrific act? How about we start with introducing the people around you to Jesus? As the escalating violence in our world is more and more on our lips, and the lips of friends and family share the hope that is within you, tell them that Jesus said this would happen. But if we would only look to His sacrifice for us, that is where the healing begins. You remember when Jesus approached Jerusalem? He approached Jerusalem the week before He willingly went to the cross for the sins of the world because God so loved the world. And looking upon the city that He loved, what did Jesus do? He wept. He said, if only they knew. If only they knew, He cried out in His heart. If only they knew the peace that He was offering them that very day. If only they knew. If only those 16,300 people groups around the world knew of that love. The 6,500 that are remaining that don't have any Christians in their community, within their culture, and that understand their language, if only they knew that Christ is our peace in a time of chaos. That Christ is our mercy in a time of cruelty. That Christ is our life in a time of death. Christ is our freedom in a time of oppression. Christ is our hope in a time of despair. Christ is our justice in a time of lawlessness. And Christ is our light in a time of darkness. For only light, and listen, only light can drive out the darkness. And Jesus Christ is the only true light of the world. Do you believe that? In a time of national disunity, God has called us, the church, to model unity in Him. In a time of fear, God has called the church to be courageous. We can be outraged at a sense of injustice, but that outrage should remind us that we serve a God who is the author of justice. 
He is a great, merciful, and just God. Look at what it says in Romans 13. Starting in verse um, verse 1. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. Make sure we, we don't miss this. He says, therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed. And those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, good conduct, but to bad. He says, would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For because of this, you also pay taxes. For the authorities are ministers of God attending to this very thing. So pay to all what is owed to them. Taxes to whom taxes are owed. Revenue to whom revenue is owed. Respect to whom respect is owed. Honor to whom honor is owed. Those are God's words, not mine. We are to have respect for those in authority over us and those whom God has appointed to serve and protect us. We are to show love and appreciation, never hatred. In our scripture for today, Paul is telling the church, the churches in Galatia, he's saying, don't stop doing good, because that's what we're called to do. To do good in a world, to act as ambassadors of love in a world full of hatred and senseless crime. We are to leave a legacy. When we talk about the word legacy, we often think about what somebody has left behind after they have gone to be with the Lord. But I would say we should begin to think about the legacy that we're leaving for our family and friends and the people in our circles of influence, that we are to leave a legacy for them starting now. So that's a challenge for you today to think about what kind of legacy are you leaving? Are you leaving a legacy of hope? Are you leaving a legacy of peace? Are you leaving a legacy of freedom? Are you leaving a legacy of love? Let's not forget that a small good deed goes a long way. There's a famous saying says, I alone cannot change the world but I can cast a stone across the waters to create many ripples. I'll say it again. I alone cannot change the world, but I can cast a stone across the waters to create many ripples. We sang a song before. It's called Oceans. It's about that passage that I read when Jesus called Peter out onto the waters. What an example he could have set for the others in the boat. Following Jesus' example, Jesus says, come out into the water. 
Peter says, if it's really you, I can do it. It's about faith. Where is your heart? And Peter goes out onto the water and he starts to doubt. We know the story. And what does Jesus do? He reaches out his hand of love and calls him back. But Jesus is calling each and every one of us out onto the waters. Sometimes we feel, especially in times like this, that all we can do is just keep our head above water. And sometimes sometimes we feel like we're drowning. Drowning in confusion, drowning in depression, drowning in frustration, drowning in anger because of what's going on around us. As God's church, we are to take a step back and remember that we are called to be the beacons of hope. That we can be angry and frustrated. We can be incensed at such senseless killing. Especially at those who are called to protect us by somebody who had taken an oath to protect us as well. It makes no sense. But what are we called to do? We are called to act in love. We are called to step out in faith, to step out onto the waters as the Holy Spirit calls us, because when we do, it will create a ripple effect. That's the legacy. Do you see that? When it says, I alone cannot change the world, but I can cast a stone across the waters to create many ripples, that is leaving a legacy. But the question is, what is the legacy we are leaving as individuals, but even more importantly, as the church of Jesus Christ? You see, in verse 8 of our passage today, Paul is saying there's really two kinds of soil. He had mentioned it last time in, in the passage from last week, that we can either sow from the works of the flesh, or we can sow from the fruit of the Spirit. We're either following the temptations of the flesh or we're following the Spirit. It's one or the other. What we tend to do is we like to kind of ride the fence, don't we? We like to have one foot here in the flesh and one with the Spirit. Sometimes in our weakness, we kind of feel like we're getting one over on God. And He doesn't really notice what we're doing. I have one foot with the Spirit and letting Him lead this one foot, maybe He won't notice the other foot when I keep giving in to this temptation that just so draws me. Paul is saying there's only two kinds of soil, really. The flesh and the Spirit. Investments that are made in the flesh will uh, will reap a harvest of corruption, he says. That word in the original language in the Greek for corruption is like rottenness. Think of a piece of fruit that you've purchased. A piece of fruit that you've purchased and you let it sit there and you don't eat it, what happens to it? It gets moldy, it starts to rot, right? It starts to get all kind of sour and brown and mushy. That's the word that he chooses to use here. If you decide to live according to the flesh, you are going to reap a harvest of rottenness or corruption, of degeneration, of death instead of life. You see that? It's like decaying food, or even worse. Sowing to the flesh means allowing the old nature to have its way. But when we sow to the Spirit, when we have acts of love within our heart, that means we are allowing the Holy Spirit to have His way. 
A very, a very famous and popular passage is in the first couple of verses of Romans 12. In verse 2 in Romans 12, Paul says, Do not be conformed to this world, but what? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, the good and acceptable and perfect will. So we are not to be conformed to this world with all of its hatred and anger. But we are to be transformed daily, an ongoing process, by the renewing of our mind from the Word of God that teaches us that Jesus preached love. We know, I said it last week, when He returns, He is coming as judge. He came as the suffering servant to offer forgiveness. And that is what we carry around within us, the good news of hope to share to the world. But He's returning. We don't know the day or the hour. But He is returning. He's returning for us as church. But He is also coming to judge the world. So we shouldn't be surprised when we see these things happen. We should fight against being callous toward it. Maybe we should even fight against turning the channel. Because perhaps we need to see those graphic videos once in a while. To be reminded of what's going on out there. But you know what? Let us also remember that it's happening every day. Every hour, every minute around the world. We can't even fathom the scope of those numbers. Over 7 billion people in the world. 1.7 deaths by violence every year. 1.7 million people every year. They're not dying from disease. 1.7 million people around the world, they're not just dying from an accident. They're dying by purpose, acts of violence. Whether it's taking their own life or murder or acts of war. 1.7 million. Not even including, as I said, the over 40 million abortions around the world each year. I think it was important that I take the opportunity this morning to share what God has put on my heart about these senseless tragedies. You know, you see it happening and happening, and it, for me personally, maybe you feel the same way, you, you just have to turn it off sometimes because it gets to be too overwhelming. But it reminded me that all of us at some point are asking this question, Especially now, these days. What's our response? Very simply, if you remember nothing else, remember our response is love. God is love. So our response is to share the good news with a world that is lost and broken. To a world that is hopeless without the hope of Christ. So I end with a passage of Scripture that will give us that hope. It will be up on the screen for you. It's Colossians 3. If you know it, you'll know exactly why I chose it. It's the whole chapter. I'm just going to read it slowly. Just let it sink in. And remember who you are in Christ. And what you're called to do. And when you ask yourself this question. How am I to respond to what's going on in the world? This is how you respond. Because this is who you are. If then you have been raised with Christ... 
Seek the things that are above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things of the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. So put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. And in these two, you once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Don't lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, Barbarian, Scythian, slave, or free. But Christ is all and in all. So put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving one another, as the Lord has forgiven you. So you also must forgive And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Would you stand with me? I'm going to pray for us. And then as we like to do, Brother Bob is going to come and lead us in a closing hymn. It just said that we should do that together. Sing hymns and psalms and spiritual songs to one another. Why? We need to be reminded. Music is a good way to do it. Remind us of the hope that is within us, but also be reminded of what we're called to do. We're called to be people of love and to go and share that love in the world around us that is so desperate to hear about Jesus. Did you do that this week? Introduce somebody that you know to Jesus. Let them know that there is hope. Did you notice the sign out front of our church? It says, hope is an anchor for the soul. Our world is hurting and broken. People are aimlessly drifting on the waters of hatred and waters of confusion in this world. We have the only anchor. The only anchor that is eternal and that is true. That is hope in Jesus Christ. So let us be people of hope and peace and freedom and people of love. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we stand here before You because You have called us out upon the waters. You have called us to step out in faith. God, we are the beggars who have found the bread. You have shown us where the bread is. 
Help us to remember that we are but beggars showing others where to find the bread. God, that we would be your representatives, your ambassadors of love to this loveless world. God, would you prepare the hearts and the minds of those that you want us to share it with this week so that they would be receptive. God, we know that people are even more hungry for truth because of the confusion that surrounds them in times like this. Father, would you help us to remember that we are citizens of the kingdom, that this is not our true home, but while you have us here, we are to represent the kingdom. The kingdom that fosters a community of love, not hatred. So God, would you go before us and prepare the way, even as we spend a great time of fellowship around food today, Father, as we we take a meal together. Help us to encourage one another that we talk and, and find out how we're feeling and how we're doing and how we're reacting to the news of the day that we would be able to encourage each other that all is not lost because we have been found. And we can then go and share that good news with the lost and broken and hurting world. Father, would you bless us even now as we sing this song about the charge that you have given us to stand firm and to stand stand true in you and to share that good news, the good news of love and hope not hatred. In Jesus' name, amen.